0: is winding down quickly.
1: It is, but it means it's getting close to football season. The first football game <laughs> of college true. was last Saturday. Last Saturday. I missed that one. Austin wow. Pay and Must Arkansas make... State. Wow. It
0: really? was the only
1: game that was on. That but was it's it. on. That's it. They college football. It's back. Come back this weekend and then Clemson starts in two weeks. And what a what a uh, golf tournament. Oh as yeah. Well. The
0: BMW championship. That was amazing. Um yeah, for people that missed that, I mean John Rahm, Dustin Johnson, they basically made everything on um, putting wise. Yeah. I mean, Dustin to, to send it to playoff. Dustin had to make like a thirty-five foot putt or something. Yeah. With double break and, and it he drained it and that was amazing to force the uh force over, the yeah, overtime up, yep. the uh, sudden death playoff and then they went to back to eighteen and John Rahm made a sixty-six foot putt. Yeah. That was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it was. What a finish.
0: I've never seen one finish that way. That's reminiscent of the of the chip that uh Tiger Woods made on sixteen, mm-hmm. you know, back in the Masters back in the day. But
1: and how about Larry, Larry Myers did that on number 10 yeah. right in the Masters? Um, uh, 11. 11. 11? Okay, Shipped that's right. 11, 11 yeah. Yep,
0: yep, yep. You're right. So, I mean, that's sports.
1: That's be, we're talking about sports again, Steve. I that know. is a good we sign. We kind of stop that. No, though. I, I know. Mean, but it's good, though. It's just kind of a sign of the times a little bit.
0: They're saying we need to mix it up. So, we better mix it up, John. So, right. to mix it up, hey, we got some great topics to talk about here that do relate to finance, not sports. And uh, one of those, um, you know, is about the, the election real, again, right? Yeah, election real, and
1: the S&P. Real positive topic, you know. Don't mix politics and your portfolios. True. That is the headline. Is And, you know, we True. keep talking about this because when you look back at history, it, it you know, people are, are worried about the election right now regardless of who wins. And it just doesn't play that. Um, it doesn't play into the market's no. performance long term. So, We'll That's dive right. into another discussion yeah, on that. It'll
0: be interesting, but it's a good topic. so uh, <clears throat> we'll dig into that. then we're going to talk about the five critical skills in a post-pandemic world. Um, you know this goes for whether you're whether you're looking for a new job, you know I mean the job market really has changed a lot mm-hmm. and or whether you're just you're just a retiree at home. you know there's some new skills you need and because things have changed a little bit forever. And so we're going to dig into that and talk about the skills you need and, you know, how the world has changed and how that applies to you. Um, But that's a great topic. Um, But by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and I'm a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 25 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice.
1: And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years.
0: We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday
1: afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to all the podcasts out there. You can listen to uh, this week's uh, podcast, or you can listen to um, you know the previous hundreds that we have out there. So go check that out. A lot of tools on the website as well. We have a retirement calculator. Uh, that you need to check out. You can key some information in and kind of tell you if you're on track or not. And then we also have a Facebook page, MoneyMD, and we uh, put a a weekly prescription of the week out there.
0: Yeah, do check us out on the website. Um, Send us your questions. You can link to us there on the website um, directly, and we'll talk about those here on the show. Um, We're going to start off here, John, with the financial fact of the week.
1: This is a recent survey, and, Steve, about three-fourths of Americans spent – the $1,200 per person stimulus payment um, that, you know, happened from the CARES Act and they spent it within about four weeks of receipt. So obviously it was Hmm. needed. It was timely. Yeah. um, But you know, 25%, it looks like they maybe banked it. Uh, Maybe they put it into a savings account. Um, But you know, 159 million Americans received that one time uh, non-taxable cash payment. And again, I think the timeliness of that, was so critical. I mean, it happened basically in April when everything was shut down.
0: Yeah, that has been critical, no doubt. And I'm surprised it lasted four weeks, quite frankly, But because <laughs> yeah. um, it was, was only $1,200 per person, but still $2,400 a couple. That is a decent yeah, amount. it's kids.
1: Got some, it is. Yep.
0: The level of stimulus, you know, I think has not been unimpres- unprecedented. Oh, no, you know, no. And, and that really has floated the economy. And I was just hearing this morning how, you know, an economist was saying that, you know, he really expects that, you know, we've it's bridged the gap and that, you know, we're going to see the economy pick up from here. And it's been a, a very shallow recession. recession, yeah. And, you know, he really expects growth to pick back up. I, um, I
1: think the markets would generally agree with you if you yeah, look at the stock and that, market. And
0: that's what he's relating it to. That's yeah. why the stock market is up, because the markets are looking beyond this saying – Wow, we really have averted any kind of deep recession here, and and this is pretty much over in their eyes. Yeah, and yeah, uh, it is kind of amazing, and it's all the stimulus, and that those stimulus checks were part of that. So good, good fact of the week. All right, and that leads up here to our first topic, and that is why the S and P 500 cares less about the president, who's president and particularly in
1: their first year. Yeah, so a disclaimer, this is not a political conversation, right? Right, no, <laughs> no. We're, no, we're not talking about politics here, but it is so key not to mix politics and portfolios. And um, so, right. you know, if you have, you know, if you struggle with, uh, you know, Biden winning or Trump winning over the next four years, it shouldn't be because of the the markets. And, and know that selling the U.S. stocks to protest any winner – of past presidential races, Democrat or Republican, over the last 15 years meant that you lost out on a skyrocketing stock market in their first year of office. And that's according to a new report uh, from SunTrust Advisory Services. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in an election year, emotions are certainly running high. And, you know, analysts out there, this one analyst, Keith Lerner, um Basically says we strongly caution against mixing portfolios and politics, and we would agree with that wholeheartedly.
0: Sure, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, the market goes up on average every year significantly. You know, regardless <laughs> on, of on, who's in the mar- in the e- White House. Exactly on average. So if you're out of the market, you're you're probably losing. The odds are against you. Yes, you, they are. I mean, you know, you have to be pretty lucky to time that right and to actually miss a down market instead of an up market because the markets are. I mean, just look at it. We haven't had recession in 10 years. And, you know, and it was a very quick recession and we're back to, to, you know, apparently back to growth. Um, So we'll see. But, yeah, it's definitely true. And, yeah, I mean, to draw, you know, its conclusions, you know, they they looked at the performance uh, history of the S&P 500 for, you know, for most years from 1933 to 2019. And they found that the markets have done well under a wide range of political scenarios. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what party was in the White House. And over the past 15 years, despite U.S. politics becoming increasingly, you know, kind of hostile, um, the, US, yeah. the S&P 500, you know, still outshined with a 20 plus percent return during the first year of, of any uh, president following an election. So, you know, it just goes to show you, I mean, you can't you can't you can't time it, and elections really don't don't play a big part factor,
1: Yeah, because there's always other events that are occurring out there that's that's driving the performance versus who's in the White House. And you know, these next couple of stats here is is a reason. I mean, looking back, anyone who fled stocks immediately prior to uh, President Obama moving into the White House would have missed a twenty six percent total return for the S&P 500 in 2009. Now, obviously, that was coming off a very bad year the year before, right. but the fact is, it was up 26% in 2009, his first year. And by the same token, sellers ahead of President Trump's ascent to the Oval Office would have missed a, you know, 22 percent um, return booked during his first year in 2017, even while, you know, a large number of investors suggested that the market would go down if either person was elected. So that's not to say that specific sectors of the market could be poised for a boost based on presidential candidate, um, whoever you know prevails in November. But, man, I tell you, the stats just say don't make changes based on elections.
0: Right. That's exactly right. And I mean, you know, they did find that that there are there there are some differences under, you know, different presidencies about what does well. Right. I mean, there there's always kind of the the pet industries yeah, that the focus. presidents will focus on. And and they're the ones that that kind of get, you know, railed against um, in one way, shape or form. For instance, you know, under a Biden presidency, you know, they kind of they're kind of projecting that. Um, renewable energy, infrastructure and stocks impacted by trade debt policy would benefit. But under a Trump presidency, you know, defense, aerospace, traditional energy and financial um, financials would presumably do better. But, you know, I mean, these are all factors that are, you know, well beyond um, Washington. I mean, that that also play into it. I mean, like taxes. Um, You know, so you really can't predict it. And, and the business cycle is a big part of that as well. So it's unpredictable is kind of the bottom yeah. line, even though, of course, the president does affect some industries.
1: They, they do. But, you know, if you go back and look at, again, look at some data, the post-World War II economic boom of the 1950s resulted in the strongest 10-year annualized return in 70 years. And it was that 10-year return was 19.3%. But here's the caveat, Steve: there were extremely high taxes during that that time frame. So, right. Um, and uh, but the very low taxes of the 2000s resulted in a negative one percent return for the S and P 500 index, mainly due to the, the uh, bursting of the technology and the housing bubble. So again, there were cycles that were going on in the economy that overweighted, you know, what was happening in the White House. So, you know, following the last presidential election outcome, the consensus. Was that financials, energies, and small caps would would be beneficiaries, but each underperformed the S&P 500, uh, pegging the energy sector down 12% under Trump. So there were people predicting, hey, if Trump wins, this is what's going to do well. And that hasn't been the case, you know? That's right. And it really speaks to the secular forces and the fundamental factors that influence sector returns that nobody can predict.
0: Yeah, they can't. You know, I mean, for instance, you know, in April, as the COVID infections were really, you know, ramping up around the globe, um, you know, crude oil futures fell. It took a a shocking turn into negative territory, meaning that someone with a long position in oil would have to pay somebody to take the oil off their hands. You had to pay somebody to buy your oil, the bottom line. Um, So, you know, in U.S. corporate defaults in the energy sector, um already have spiked since april as global oil demand um has tumbled and and uh has waned and prices mostly have stayed below 50 dollars a barrel so you wouldn't necessarily have predicted that you know yeah. um in this pandemic but those kind of things happen in So it's unpredictable.
1: And folks were saying that that energy was going to do well under Trump. Well, it has not because of something out of the control of the White House, which happens with every single presidency. And at the same time, you know, U.S. corporations have entered uncharted waters in terms of loading up on a a record amount of debt this year as they've raced to bridge the earnings crisis brought on by COVID-19. and. Investors hope companies will pay down those debts when the virus comes under control and, you know, potentially through an effective and broadly distributed vaccine and, and earnings improve. So, uh, you know, there's always something out there that we don't know about that's going to impact the markets. And, and you know, there's negative times, but also it has always recovered.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no shortage of shocks out there um, that that surprise everybody, you know, including the Postal Service de- delays that they're predicting, you know, with the election. Um, but nobody knows how all that's going to turn out So, because this has never happened before. So, you know, the, the bottom line is it's, it's unpredictable, and, and this year it's more unpredictable than ever.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's tropical storms that are happening. There's wildfires out in California. And, and oh, by the way, you know, the entire market has not fully recovered. There have been sectors, um, but the markets have done extremely well. And uh, no one predicted them. So do not make decisions on your portfolio based on politics. It does not work. The data we saw, we did an uh, article on this a couple weeks ago. Right. And the average return for Republicans and Democrats is very similar over the very, four-year period. Very close. So you look back, back at history. It was so, over 100 years. That's yeah. right. So just, just, uh, just chill. <laughs> yeah, right,
0: right. Don't factor the elections into your investments. That's nope. kind of the bottom line yep. here. Good topic though, and that leads us up here to our question of the week.
1: Yeah, this question um, actually came from um, my son Matthew. I'm wondering if he's trying to communicate something to me. Is like, how should I broach the subject of legacy planning with my aging parents?
0: <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> so
1: I don't know, Matthew. Uh, this is your subtle way of, of approaching it, but it, it can be a certainly a sensitive topic. Um, you know, I have we have friends and um, you know parents that are that are getting older and having those discussions. Um, can be you know sensitive and certainly taboo in certain situations, but you just got to address it. I mean, you have to come out of a position of right. caring and love. Right, you're not trying to be nosy, um, but it's something that will will help the family if you can you know make some changes and make things easier.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be the elephant in the room. You know, whenever whenever they're getting older and and things really haven't been taken care of, and and you or your siblings don't know the status of of kind of where things are going to go and 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 uh, you know how their estate is structured, so you need to have that conversation. Just just have an honest, loving conversation, you know, with your parents, and um, you yeah. know, help them plan for the future. Yeah,
1: power of attorneys, making sure you have wills, beneficiaries are properly structured. I mean, those it's it can be detailed, so you may need to get a. CPA or estate planning uh, attorney involved or financial advisor to kind of help. And we do help facilitate those conversations as well.
0: Absolutely. And it's always better to do it earlier rather than later. You know, you don't want to do it whenever they're in a nursing home or you want to address it long, long before, you know, that happens. So, um, yeah, the earlier, the better. So good question of the week. And that leads up here to our next topic. And that is five critical skills in a post-pandemic world. John, I mean, this is a recent article um, from vault.com and uh, <clears throat> but, John, yeah, COVID-19, I mean, it's already left kind of an indelible mark on the world. And I mean, even after this pandemic is over, there are going to be consequences for workers and people in every job market and position in society. Um, it's obvious. I mean, when we emerge from this pandemic, you know, the world's going to look a little bit different Um you know, no longer will you automatically probably hop on a plane and go see family or coworkers without considering the alternatives, mm-hmm. you know, maybe having a Zoom meeting or yep. something. Um, and, you know, we probably won't be as eager to run to the store when online purchase is going to work just as well. Um, you know, cash purchases may not ever go mainstream again when, you know, credit, Apple Pay, things like that are are quicker and they're also germ-free, mm-hmm. right? So. Yeah, can't use can't use a uh, uh, change anymore. I mean, there's a shortage of change, as you know, out there. And you know, for I mean, the old school seniors, I mean, browsing the internet is no longer kind of a novelty for entertainment. I mean, it's really a necessary skill to find what you need and to access the services that we all require. So, but also for employees, I mean, if you want to rise at the top of your field, you need to have the right skills for this new reality whether you already have a job or you're looking for work, um, you also need to stay current, you know, to live efficiently in kind of this post-COVID world. So, I mean, to present yourself, though, as the best candidate for, you know, lucrative, steady employment, you know, you should focus on one or more kind of the vital skills that are going to be in demand going forward. Um, And so here are some of the skills that, um, will be in demand, are going to be more valuable in a post-pandemic world um, based on what has happened and, and, and kind of where things are going. And, you know, there's going to be invaluable regardless of your station in life for the future.
1: Yeah, the first one is uh, adaptability. And uh, as we have all abruptly found out in the last six months, being able to pivot and work from home is the difference between you know uh, a productive employee and those who are seen as fish out of water during the quarantine weeks, so almost all employees really have found themselves having to be productive from home or some type of remote location at some point during the last six months and the ones that thrived were equally productive from home as they were in the office and I can tell you employers across the nation now know the difference and they'll be looking for the adaptability uh, of those employees who can. Be productive with or without an office, and and the diet is probably cast. Um, and employee employers will be leaning more towards you know work from home employees that can be productive anywhere while saving valuable office space. So yeah, we definitely see those trends.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> that's going to be permanent. You know, because I mean, Microsoft's already said they're working lo- remotely from all their employees now. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, just think of all the all the savings they may they're going to make with uh, rents and, you know, office equipment, and all that kind of stuff <clears throat> um, by doing that. I mean, but this also goes for stay at home, you know, parents or retiree. I mean, if you want to stay productive, regardless of your location, you need to learn to be fluent with things like Zoom or Skype, FaceTime, you know, every really electronic medium that you're presented with. Um you know, learn to be just as responsive with your smartphone as you can be with your desktop. Um, you know, for older folks, I mean, texting, using your smartphone really are no longer an option. I mean, if you want to kind of thrive in the post-pandemic world, you, you need to be able to embrace all forms of technology and learn to be fearless in using them. So that's kind of the... The, the point here to the adaptability part of this. Um, but there's another one that you may not think about, and that's emotional intelligence. I mean, there are different kinds of intelligence. Being great with math, science, or reading is all fine and, and very important. Um, but, you know, in a business world, I mean, you're dealing with people, and you need to have kind of emotional intelligence to be able to manage relationships within your company, with your customers, with vendors. And so if you have emotional intelligence, um, you kind of have an, an, an evergreen skill. I mean, and for the most part, human nature doesn't change, and understanding human nature is more critical than ever in this modern you know pandemic world where you, you have to communicate without necessarily being in front of people. Interacting on video is different from interacting in person. It requires kind of a deeper level of interpersonal communication. Um, You don't have the full benefit of body language and the subtle facial expressions, you know, when you're looking at a video. I mean, so understanding people is always been a remarkably important skill for success. But now it requires kind of a deeper, you know, understanding to be successful. So sharpen these skills if you want to thrive in the 2020 you know, decade ahead. Yeah,
1: that's very, very true. That's a good one. Another one here is cybersecurity. And uh, unfortunately, cyber criminals, um, they're getting more sophisticated. They've had six months of staying at home as well uh, to hone their skills during the shutdown. (laughs) And and more people are staying indoors and using their internet-connected devices. So the number of targets uh, has increased significantly. And for businesses, I mean, this definitely presents an issue. if, if, If a business has a data breach and its customer or financial information falls into the wrong hands, it can spell the end of any business, so be careful and be diligent on the cybersecurity piece of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're looking to, to learn a new skill, you know, um, you know, cybersecurity is a really hot up-and-coming area, and um, you know, it's a great skill to learn regardless of whether you're planning to change a career or not. Um, but investing in cybersecurity training course or a certification could make you kind of a sought-after employee in the new job market. Um, you know this is a this is a great up and coming career for any young person, and you know it's a necessary skill for all of us. You know, to um, being you know kind of thrust deeper into the digital age by this pandemic. So you're gonna want to master the art of protecting your own personal information, and all the accounts. You know, as we move forward in this post-COVID world. So that's an interesting one. Um, another one here though is digital skills, John, and this kind of goes with the adaptability part, but due to the health you know um public health reasons i mean more businesses are allowing individuals to work from home and and you know more of your services are going to be accessible remotely going forward um you know like telehealth and things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. right so you know, you may prefer working in a physical environment with other people, but coronavirus and the new reality we face may not allow that for many people going forward. In addition to this, many organizations are not allowed to bring people in their physical offices, you know, right now. And and, and they may, you know, start doing more um, without physically letting people in the office building itself. Um, so luckily, though, working remotely has several benefits. I mean, you often get to set your own hours. You get to save time on transportation. You get to enjoy your home office view, Um, you know, but because many people are working from their homes, digital skills like design, programming, writing um, are in high demand. And even jobs that traditionally required in-person attendance are turning um, into remote positions now. So, you know, however, I mean, you need to ensure that you have the proper time management, organization, and communication skills for those So as we mentioned before, I mean, you need to master all the digital tools, all the technology to enable you to be successful and productive out of an office setting. Um, So set aside time every day to learn new skill. You know, from your laptop or your phone. Um, You know, watch YouTube videos, Google articles, um, get training if necessary. But learn to accomplish all your daily tasks from your smartphone or tablet. Just to make you more yeah. more digitally, you know, valuable.
1: Yeah, and and one of those skills is online researching. I mean, the yes. world's changing fast, and there's no better way to keep up with that than uh, being a master of solutions. And there's no shortage of information out there. I mean, Doctor Google provides a lot of it. So, but it's useless if you can't navigate it quickly and learn how to solve problems fast. So. In the post-pandemic world, that means finding it, um, you know, online quickly and efficiently. No longer do you have the the luxury of asking your office mate or calling the IT person. If you're working remotely or in the new gig economy, you have to be able to fend for yourself and, you know, find some solutions to the issues and the questions in front of you.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. No matter what industry you're you're looking at or you're in, businesses need resourceful employees who can solve problems and you know, prove themselves to be a resource and not require resources. You know, therefore, I mean, researching and problem solving is all is and always will be, you know, an essential skill in business. However, the economic realities of a world after COVID-19 are now, you know, more competitive than ever. And, you know, this has become more valuable. You know, there's less money moving around and businesses need to be more selective in finding resourceful employees that are, not only adaptable, but also very resourceful in in, in, in getting solutions and in researching and in, in finding out what they need, the information they need to accomplish their goals. Um, so if you can show up to a job interview with a proven problem-solving skills, I mean, you're already, you know, in a decisive advantage over your peers. So, so anyway, the conclusion is, yeah, the new world after coronavirus will never be precisely the same. I mean, the old ideas and approaches to business, in the world um, simply won't cut it. I mean, if you want to put yourself in a position to acquire and keep the best job possible, you know, in your dream organization, um, you know, look at these sk- digital uh, these skills like, you know, the digital skills, cybersecurity, online researching, adaptability, and emotional intelligence, and really make, put yourself out there so that you can stand above the competition and also just master the world, even if you're retired or staying at home, so that you can function better you know, from home and remotely in our new post-COVID digital world. So there you go. All right. And that brings us to our final thing of the day, and that is the financial, uh, well, excuse me, the prescription of the week.
1: Yeah. So the prescription is uh, if you have a high electric bill, it'd be a great idea to give them a call. Uh, many of them will come in and do a, a free home efficiency review, and you can save um, a lot of money. I know Matthew did that. He bought a home and. Uh, recently, it was uh, made in uh, 1963, wow. and uh, <clears throat> yeah, so they they came in and gave him some some pretty cool tips. Um, got a new water heater and some more insulation and so forth and he's uh, he's seen a reduction on his bill so that's one one step the other step is is they have something called budget billing where they'll look back at the historical you know charges and they'll they'll average them out so you don't have these big spikes right man it's a hot week this week right (laughs) I mean you know electric bills are going to be very very high starting out here in in September so budget billing is another good idea but you know call them up Um, they'll come out and take a look at your house and see if there's some things that you can change inexpensively to help lower your your cost
0: yeah there are lots of things you could do around the house to lower energy you know usage and um so yeah i mean a good place to start is to go and get get that review from your electric company so yep great prescription of the week all right well this brings us to a close for this week's edition of money md tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health check us out on our website moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Investor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.